Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Today on Fifth and Mission, hunting in California. Reporter Curtis Alexander is going to join us and talk about tension between environmentalists and those who hunt and fish. We're also going to hear from the new face of hunting in California. In my house, we forage, we hunt, we fish, and we garden. That's Jen Benedette, who once went viral for a program where she was teaching kids how to use a crossbow. Now California is trying to use her to get out the message that hunting is okay. That's all coming up on Fifth and Mission. We'll talk to Curtis Alexander right after the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Curtis, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Damien. So one thing you write in the piece is that the state has a revenue stream from hunting. Can you describe how the state makes money off hunting and fishing and where they spend that money? A lot of the conservation work, meaning the protection of land and wildlife in California, is paid for by the hunting community. It's sort of a pay-to-play system. That system dates back to the turn of the century when the Wild West was being mowed down by hunters and trappers and homesteaders. And such iconic conservationists as John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt were urging for a way to pay for the protection of these wildlands. Well, their push ultimately resulted in an excise tax on hunting equipment and angling equipment that pays for the conservation of our federal lands and state lands. So today, when you go into a gun store, you go into a Walmart, and you buy a shotgun to go turkey hunting with, 10 or 11% of the proceeds are going to go toward conservation. Some of the revenue from the state also comes from hunting and fishing licenses. So with the drop-off in the number of hunters, you have less revenue coming into the state Department of Fish and Wildlife's budget, and they fear that they're not going to be able to do the conservation work that they've historically done. Right. What does hunting look like in California? I'm not a hunter, but I do know that there's a lot of prime hunting in California. If you go up into the North State near Mount Shasta and Lassen, there's a lot of big game species like antelope and elk that you can hunt. In the Sierra Nevada, there's plenty of deer and bear and even bighorn sheep. And if you're into waterfowl, California has uh, one of the richest corridors of migratory birds. So you'll see people out on blinds in the Delta or in the rice fields up in the Sacramento Valley or in boats in the San Joaquin Valley. So the state is in a position where it needs these hunters and fishers if it's going to pay for other things that have nothing to do with conservation. Is that right? Yeah, about 40% of the State Department of Fish and Wildlife's budget once came from hunting and fishing licenses. Now it's down to about 20%. So they've got a big funding hole. And that's not surprising. The number of people who hunt and fish in California is less than half of what it was about 30 or 40 years ago. 
the state estimates that today just 1% of Californians hunt and 5% fish. The state is looking to drum up interest in hunting and fishing, and they find Jen Benedette. Why does she make a good spokesperson? And what's her role? Well, Jen's job is to reach out to people who haven't traditionally hunted, say, youth groups, college campuses, and community events, and try to expose them more to the sport. Jen actually became a known quantity in the hunting world because she launched a program to teach kids how to hunt, and she immediately became the target of animal rights activists. Many of them trolled her online and stalked her at home, and even to this day, she still gets some pushback. The first thing about Jen is that Jen does not fit your stereotypical image of what a hunter looks like. Surveys show that most hunters in California are male, they're older, generally baby boomer age, and they live in rural areas. When Jen got into hunting, she was a recent graduate student down in San Diego, and she had really never shot a gun before. In fact, she told me a great story about her first time hunting when she was still using a bow and arrow. She went to a private hunting range in Riverside County. Damien, let's hear that. I went to this bird club, which was just a big open field in the middle of Riverside County. And there was a group of guys that were clearly talking about me. And then they became more vocal about it. Um, and they asked me, like, oh, are you lost? Uh, you know, and then they were, they, they proceeded to, oh, so are you, are you waiting for somebody? Are you here to watch somebody? Uh, and I said, no, I'm here to hunt, just like you. <laughs> And I got my bow out, which made them laugh even more. These guys, instead of going to their field, just line up at the edge of my field. And I was already nervous. I didn't know what or how I would react, uh, you know, if I actually shot something. Um, I could feel them burning in my back, like their stairs were burning a hole in the back of me. Um, and so in the moment, all I could think at that point, like I was so irritated by the whole like exchange, the whole situation that all I could think is, you know, please, Jen, hit the bird. And this bird just flushes out of the out of the bush. And I just shot. Like, I don't even remember, like, setting up a shot or anything. Like, I just shot instinctively. So the dog handler just starts yelling, like, you hit it! Jen, you hit it! You hit it with the bow! I got excited. And so I just, like, spun around and looked at those guys and all those guys literally just were in disbelief. So she knows what newcomers to the sport are up against when they're trying to get into hunting, and she can provide guidance and inspiration for them. Curtis, I was struck by the fact in your story that Jen used to be a vegetarian. Is there a contradiction there? I'm not sure, but one of the points she surely makes is that there's a lot more in common between people who hunt and people who don't hunt. And I think one of the things they're trying to do in their outreach is capitalize on the common interests between those two groups, one of which is locally sourcing their food. The local war movement has really taken off across much of the state and in areas that aren't associated with hunting. She says that hunting is basically the same thing, people trying to go into the woods and track down their own food and get as close to their food source as they can. Both the non-hunting community and the hunting community are also interested in conservation. So that's another common interest these two groups have that the campaign might be able to seize on. What was it like to visit Jen? Was her lifestyle very different from those people you just described? Well, Jen lives in a rural community outside of Reading beneath the Trinity Alps. And the one thing that I admire probably most about Jen is her relationship with food. 
She tries to be as close and live as close to her food sources as she can. She hunts. She hunts bear. She hunts deer. She hunts pheasant. She hunts whatever is basically in season and gets most of her protein from wild meats. She also keeps a garden so she's able to grow her own vegetables. And you just don't see a lot of people in this day and age living off the land and being as self-sufficient as she is. And she talked to me about her relationship with food and how she thinks about it in a way that most people don't take the time to do. We're disconnected from our food sources. So as someone who eats meat from the grocery store, you get it in a nice little package delivered to you, basically, so you can pick it up at the store. Um, you don't have to see what happens to get it to you at that point. And so sometimes the discomfort lies just in, in not understanding that process. And sometimes it's also much easier for people to understand or sympathize with the desire to be responsible for your food sources, unlike going to the grocery store to acquire them. It sounds like a philosophy that could fit with some Californians. What's been the reaction from people to her hiring and to the campaign? Well, the campaign is so new at this point, there hasn't been too much of a backlash. At least I haven't seen it. There have been people that I've spoken to who have concerns, but how that plays out is yet to be determined. I don't expect that the state is going to stop trying to boost its hunting and fishing numbers. Like I said before, it's something they've done for a long time, and this is just a reincarnation of that effort. So, Curtis, looking ahead, if the state gets revenue from hunting and fishing, and if animal rights advocates are against that, is there any other option? Do you ever see the state untangling hunting from conservation funds? That concept has been explored a lot in the past. The state has tried to look at other opportunities in which they can fund conservation without relying on hunters and fishermen. But those efforts haven't really gone all that far. It's hard to get people to support new taxes, obviously. In one case, there was a group that was looking at taxing other users of the outdoors. While the number of people fishing and hunting has gone, there's been a rise in other types of activities outside, like bird watching and hiking and camping. So the idea was to get these people to help pay for conservation, called or what has been called the REI tax. The outdoor recreation industry, however, hasn't been too happy with the idea of making their goods cost more. There's also been an idea of looking at a surcharge on oil drilling, but similarly, there's been opposition to that as well. Well, thank you, Curtis. Thanks for having me. Fifth Emission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. <laughs>